0: When I first learned you could purchase babies in bulk from Washington State, I said, that's got to be the biggest abuse of trust that I could ever imagine. And then I learned about the rest of what the party is doing to children on a global basis. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved
1: by big pharma technocrats and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, Here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman.
0: Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. And it's times such as these that's really helpful to remind oneself that we're not the first generation to go through this. Far from it, in fact. Great, late Dr. Walter Williams said that freedom is not the natural state of things. And we've had a very good long run of relative freedom in the country. But there's a funny thing that happens biblically. And that is that when a people turn away from God Almighty, they begin to lose their freedoms. It is axiomatic in the Bible. As time and time again, we can go through Daniel we talk about that a lot. We can go through the series of kings and judges and, and battles that the people of the Hebrews, Jewish people, lost when they turned their back on God. Now, I don't think there's any more clear indication of a society that's utterly turned its back on God than what is being done to young people and families. And yeah, there's a political component to this. Certainly the left likes to divide and conquer and and the party, There's there's a party component to this. The party wants to tear the fabric of America completely apart because it allows them to gain greater power. But there is also, and to me, it's unmistakable, the spiritual component to this. And that is that God invented the family. And the holy family, that is the Trinity, as I understand it and as I believe it, existed before time and and will exist after time. And when God decided to populate the earth, of course, the one time, one instance in Genesis where he said, wait a minute, that's not good is when man was alone. And so God invented the family. And God invites us through his son, Christ Jesus, to be a part of the family, to be an adopted member of the family, since we actually decided to walk out on the family as a people in with our sin problem. But Satan hates human beings. And he knows it, he cannot harm God, but he can harm the thing that God loves, or one of the things that God loves, and God loves us. And, of course, Christ Jesus was super clear on what happens to people who come between he and the little ones. And I've said it many times in the program, uh, the Lord Jesus said, you'd be better off having a millstone thrown around your neck and being tossed into the ocean than ever getting between me and one of the little ones. And yet the party is getting between the Lord Jesus uh, and the little ones by getting between the family and the little ones, by destroying the family fabric And you can look at this in critical race theory. You can look at this in teaching the transgender cult and welcoming that into the schools and pushing transgender ideology. And you can look at this in terms of telling kids, don't go to your parents to talk about sex. Go to a trusted adult like a teacher or an administrator. You can look at it in the perverse pornographic sex ed. You can look at it from multiple perspectives, all of it coming from the party. You can look at the uh, occupied countries like California and New York where they they are bribing kids to get the injections without parental consent. You can look up and down the uh, the left coast of what used to be America, Washington state, Oregon, California. Kids can go get insane. Like not this not medical procedures, having your genitalia mutilated is not a medical procedure. They can go get that done at the age of 15 without parental consent in the state of Oregon. In the state of Washington, well, in the state of Oregon, they could also get shot up with wrong sex hormones. Parents can't stop it, but they're forced to pay. Same thing in Washington state. Same exact thing with the hormones. They can get abortions without parental consent. They can be put on psychotropic drugs, which are wildly addictive. As addictive as heroin, it happens. And as fentanyl, it happens. So people who try to get off these drugs, but man, it's sweet, sweet money for the big funders of the party, which is big pharma. So you can look time and again at what the party does to kids, and you'll look time and again at the fact that they are separating families, and they are, in fact, promoting children as their own gods. But these are just the basics. And a woman who's a friend of mine and a good Christian woman has traveled the world now at this point, has traveled the world Talking about children and what is being done to children, she's the author of a book called Them Before Us with another friend of mine, Stacey Manning, with whom I write some things. And together, they have brought this book across the globe. It's now in multiple languages. And they're both mothers and they're both women of God. And they both looked at this from a perspective of of this phrase, them before us, because it is their theory. And I think this is going to hold true and make sense to everybody. It's their theory that what's happening is adult desires, and a lot of them, frankly, impure desires, have replaced parenthood as the duty, the thing that we are given to steward that is most important. It's not God's money, it's God's people and God's children. I'd love to get your feedback on this segment, on, well, this episode. You can get us the email at the thetoddhermanshow.com. I'd like to know about segments like this. More of these? Fewer of these? Get back to the hardcore politics. Where do we take this? So write to us at the dot Show.com. Katie, my friend, welcome to the Todd Herman Show.
1: It's so good to be with you.
0: It's good to have you back. Um, you guys, you and Stacy, uh, wrote the book then before us, and it's it's taken off around the globe. And uh, it is about this 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 theory that you have. And I think it's absolutely true: is that adult desires. Um, are replacing parental instinct and what we're called to do. Um, God almighty has called us to be parents and Jesus Christ was pretty clear. uh, Don't get between me and the kids. Um, Mm -hmm. So talk about the adult desires and how you see that as sort of the unifying uh, problem and probably a sin problem too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, so when you, you can look at anything, you want to look at your headlines, your trending news when it comes to like what's going on in areas of marriage or family or parenthood or whatever, Um, And it's always driven by adult desires, adult feelings. You know, Israel just um, allowed surrogacy access for single gay men and transgender people um, in the name of non-discrimination, right? Had nothing to do with what was best for the kids, but everything to do with how the adults felt about, you know, the policies taking place in Israel. Um, And just, you know, I dare you, next time you open up a newspaper or um, read about the glories of non-monogamy in the pages of the New York Times, whatever it is, it's all going to be totally driven by what adults want. Um, And that has absolutely dominated our culture. But it's actually, unfortunately, um, also started to dominate our legal system and our courts as well. Um, There has been an untethering of the direct connection between the children and their parents in favor of what Um, children's rights expert Helen Alvary calls adult sexual expressionism, that adult sexual desires are now the highest good, the most important goal that anybody could be seeking and something that should be prioritized in our policy. So what that functionally means is children are just items to be cut and pasted into any and every adult relationship, which means we're not treating them as people who are subjects of rights. We're treating them as objects of rights something that um, are owed to whatever adults have the money and means to acquire them. And so that's what our book is about, really saying children have a fundamental right to their mother and father, and all adults should orient their lives around that fundamental child right.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned, you know, the, the array of the way this is working, people who identify as transgender. um, Now I've seen, and this was out of the UK, a guy who identifies as a woman and identifies as transgender and, and he has a, um, a boyfriend and another boyfriend. And one of the boyfriends had earlier dated that man's daughter before that man decided he's a woman. Um, and and now we're to call him a woman and they all three got together to have, um, a thruple, uh, and then they successfully adopted a couple of kids. And so talk about what you've learned about how this affects children, because you didn't come at this without talking to a lot of people. You've talked to a lot of people who were in the, the products of same sex marriages or their parents left and now that, that, you know, you have that history in your family with your mom. So what is the, what is the effect on grownups who came up that way in a family circumstance like that?
1: Yeah. And that's probably the thing that them before us does that nobody else is doing. We've always had incredible data and research and studies and common sense and things like, you know, the five major religions of the world on our side when it comes to children need moms and dads, but what our side has never had are the stories. And so that's one thing that them before us does that really nobody else does is we have the narratives of kids who have grown up in these modern families. And just a little hint for your audience. Anytime you hear the word modern family, that's just code for child loss. The child had to lose something to be in that family, right? And so that's the deal. It's like the child had to lose either their mother or their father or both to be in that family, right? Some injustice has been inflicted on that child so that family can be appropriately modern. And so, yes, we have cataloged the stories. We've filled our book with hundreds, well, let's see, probably close to 125 stories of kids um, who were purchased through big fertility, you know, through sperm or egg donation, who were raised in intentionally um, fatherless homes with same-sex couples, or single mothers by choice who said, I don't need a man to do this. I can just go get pregnant or go get a sperm donor or whatever, or kids that were deprived of the loving daily presence of their mother and father because the mom fell in love with somebody else and took off on the dad or whatever it was, right? That all of these modern notions that we have of family inflicts brokenness on children. And I dare you to read the book. I dare you to look these kids in their face. I dare you to read their stories and not come away going, holy crap, we are inflicting the greatest injustice on children that the world has ever
0: seen. What's the through line? Um, Because I've read those stories. I've read your book. Um, I think the through line that I hear is um, people who feel disvalued Um, people who feel ultimately objectified, people who feel confused and betrayed. One of the stories that struck with me is or stuck with me was um, you talk to, I think it's a young woman whose father decided he was a woman. um, And then I think she was 14 or 15 and he wanted to try on dresses with her and he wanted her to celebrate um, this, this mental issue he was having, uh, and wanted to hang out with her girlfriends and not only a sense of betrayal, but I, I read through the lines to say, um, my dad's become a flat creep. Um, I feel creepy. I don't want to look at my 50 year old dad in, in, in stockings and in bras and no, you're not going to come have a sleepover with my besties. Um, mm-hmm. so what are, what are the through lines, Katie?
1: Okay. Well, there are a few realities um, that we really hammer out. You know, the first chapter, we just talk about children's rights, why they have a right to their mother and father. And rights actually might be too wimpy of language. The relationship children have to their own parents is something that probably goes beyond anything that we really have the language for. Um, and then the second chapter is about biology and the importance of biological connection and that biological parents are statistically the safest, most connected to, most protective, most invested in their children. Right. That's why the state should never be substituted for parental authority. They don't have the same level of investment, protective um, connection to kids. The biological parents do. And I know heroic step parents that are out there. So there are exceptions. But the rule is biological parents are set up for child's thriving and unfortunately on the flip side of that non-biologically related adults don't improve outcomes for kids and in the case of a cohabiting unrelated man is statistically the most dangerous person in a child's life and before you freak out listeners just google the words mother's boyfriend and that's going to settle things for you, okay? It takes more than being in a romantic relationship with somebody's parent to treat that person as a child. And then we talk about why gender matters. Like, not only do mothers and fathers offer distinct and complementary benefits to children, the kids crave it. They long to to be loved by a dad, and they long to be loved by a mom. So when you take all of those three foundational truths, right, and then you apply them to all these modern families, here's what we see. First of all, um, they're all losing something they have a right to. They're being starved of the stability, safety, and biological identity that goes from being raised with their own by their own parents. They're oftentimes being starved of the maternal or paternal love that they crave, and their development is impacted. A lot of them are in, like you mentioned, dangerous situations, because now there's unrelated people coming into their homes. Um, in the case of a transition, a lot of times children process their parents' transition to the opposite sex as a death. And so they have to deal with the mourning that goes along with that. If you're talking about kids created through big fertility, you can add a commodification aspect to that, that these kids feel like they were bought and sold because they were bought and sold. But here's the thing. Here's the one thing that we've observed in all of these family situations that is true, whether it's a child of no-fault divorce, and let's be clear, there's reasons for divorce but that's not the majority of why divorces take place today, right? So whether it's divorce, same-sex parenting, big fertility, whatever it is, there's some differences there. But here's the one thing that we noticed. Anytime a child loses a relationship with their mother or father because adult desire, adult lifestyle, adult identity is prioritized above their right, we see an inverse of the parent-child relationship. It's adults who are supposed to be supportive, understanding, accommodating, strong, right, who do the hard thing. And when adults prioritize their desires above children's rights, what we see is it's kids who have to do the hard thing. Adults expect the kids to be supportive, the kids to be accommodating, right? The kids to be the ones that are understanding and mature, right? You need to validate my transition to being a woman. Well, you should be happy for me that I've finally found love. Well, you should validate my new sexual orientation, even though it means that I'm destroying the home where I lived with your um, mother. I have now decided to identify as gay and I'm, I'm living my best self, so you should celebrate, right? And so that's the main... Similarities that we've seen. If any time adult desire is prioritized above children's rights, it's the kids who have to act like adults, and the adults who get to act like kids.
0: Yeah, it's really well said. Um, that it's the kids who end up having to do the hard stuff, and yeah, that is our job as parents to do the hard stuff. And I would also just ask, you know, you you mentioned a statistic about an unrelated man uh, in the home with children being the most dangerous, you know, uh, possible. This sort of scenario for kids in a home. I love that you recognize the fact that there are you know, good step parents, and, and I, I know, and we we both know good step parents, and you know, I'm, I'm blessed to know some today. Um, but that statistic is so often ignored, and yet, um, you know, you, you said Google the phrase "mom's boyfriend." What do you find when you do that? Just tell my listeners what do you find.
1: Well, I would dare your listeners to pause, yeah. search, and come back. So let's okay. just say that you've done that, and now what you're going to see is endless pages of the most horrific child abuse and filicide that would be child uh infanticide right killing of children that you find anywhere else and the reason this is not accidental this is actually this has been studied among um, among evolutionary biologists and they come up with the term with it they call it the cinderella effect and that is there's no advantage to investing time energy resources and protection into offspring that is not biologically related to you And so it actually goes against whether you're on team Adam and Eve or team Homo erectus, right? There's something going on in the human spirit that makes it more dangerous for a child to be raised by non-biologically related adults. And let me say, I'm an adoptive mom, right? Why is it that adoptive parents like me need to go through months of vetting, screening, background checks, home studies, references, post-placement reports, training? Why? Because social workers are not fools. And they would absolutely lose their license if, if they handed a baby over to somebody who said, I, I want a parent. And they didn't check me because they know that that's a dangerous situation for a child. Placing a child with a biological stranger is risky. Okay. And yet we somehow ignore that whenever we're talking about studies of modern families or stories of modern families. Because somehow the ideology or the fantasy that we dream of of, of having like, love make a family and biology be irrelevant and gender have nothing to do with this and reproductive capacity being some kind of accident, right? All of that in service of the narrative is putting kids at grave risk.
0: Yeah. And uh, you know, when you, when you have seen the brokenness um, in a family and you've seen it uh, as I have, you know, with the journey through adolescent mental health that we took as a family and you see, For instance, uh, the results of that dangerous circumstance Katie Faust is talking about of an unrelated male in the home who decides uh, he would prefer the daughter be a girlfriend uh, because the mom is getting on in years uh, or cases of abuse or kids who, you know, walked out. It's very, very hard to not come back with that with a changed view. I'd love to get your feedback on this. You can go to the Todd Herman show dot com and email us and. If you're a good step parent, I'd love to hear about that as well, and and how you did it. And um, Katie, two things: uh, that the the Lord, Lord Jesus, um, was very you know very prescriptive about don't you come between me and the little ones. But the Father God created the family unit, and remember, is Adam was alone. This is not good, and so we have Eve, um, and that family. He, he he cared for that family unit so much that. When Jesus was born, look, it was, he, he, God impregnated Mary, right? This was a miraculous act. But what did he give what did he give the baby Jesus, right? He, he gave him a what, what was Joseph 20? when Jesus was born, something or no, 17, something along those lines, 17 years old. And he gave him a father and a mother and he gave him a family setting. He could have just been really miraculous and had Mary come down from a cave and all alone. And so oh, this is God's baby. And we don't need no dad because we got the father in heaven. We have. And in fact, Jesus had the ultimate father, the the perfect father. So is any is any part of this to do with um, antipathy or maybe even hatred uh, for? Well, I'd say the Christian faith. But you mentioned the the five dominant face uh, is this is any of it hatred or, or uh, spiritual battle?
1: Oh, my gosh. We don't talk about this in the book. Um, you know, one of the reasons why um, we make the case the way we do using natural law studies and stories is because this is a human truth. The, the reality that children need their own mother and father is a human truth. Yeah. Um, and it, it is reflected in the revelation that we are given in Scripture, right? Because God made us, right? And so all truth is God's truth. But we argue from a universal authority, which is natural law. However, however... <laughs> if you want to talk about the spiritual implications of getting this wrong, uh, we need to have a little chat, right? I have a lot of patience with non-believers who are questioning um, and I'll talk to them all day. But if you claim to be a Christian and if you claim to revere scripture and love God and you get the question of marriage and sexuality wrong, I don't have any time for you. Woe to you, right? Because you are destroying children. Like if you look in the old Testament, about the four major demographics that Christians were responsible for devoting special care and protection to. You're talking about the poor, the foreigner, the widow, and the fatherless, right? You are supposed to guard against them. You're supposed to build a hedge of protection around them. You compromise on God's design for marriage and sex, you're endorsing fatherlessness. You're incentivizing fatherless and now motherless children. Woe to you. Woe to you. So yeah, absolutely. I think this is a spiritual battle. I think it was Marx who said, We won't be able to destroy the spiritual family, the idea of the spiritual family, that is God who identifies as our father, Christ who says that the church is his bride, unless we can first destroy the natural family. So there is something very nefarious going on with these massive cultural and legal changes around our conceptions about what marriage is and what the parent-child relationship is.
0: Well, yeah, and it goes to the nature of truth. And this is why I'm, I'm very careful to say people who identify as transgender. I heard you say people who identify as gay um, that I don't want. I have no, no need for cruelty for people. Um, in fact, I'm called to love all and have discernment like you just displayed, Katie. I, I agree with you on those fronts. Um, and I guess I also look at the, the way that this is extending itself into commercialization. And you've heard me perhaps in the radio show or the podcast refer to the party. And, and so the party's big pharma, it's media, it's tech, it's academia. Uh, to some degree, it's big government, right? They are always at play in these arenas. And what we're told is the science is settled. Men or women, if they say so. The science is settled. It, it doesn't matter if, if a kid has a, a father or a mother and they beat society about the head with this. So what do we do? I mean, your book is information. It's gloriously written. It's so well written and and communicated. And you travel the world, uh, enlightening people. But what do we do um, in this society? At least in this American society, with podcasts is predominantly in America. What do we do to turn this around?
1: Yeah. Number one, you have to become an expert. Okay, you have to know more about these subjects than anyone else. Right. You have to have more. Unfortunately, I'm sorry. But you're in this alone. Right. You just said it, Todd. Right. Academia is against you. The media is against you. Big government. Certainly um, in this aspect of the medical world, big fertility. I mean, our little mission of saying that kids need moms and dads and they have a right to moms and dads, we are aligned against the most well-oiled, well moneyed global forces. Right. And all that we've got is truth and ordinary people who have the courage to stand up and say, I don't think so. I don't think so. But that means the ordinary person has to work harder, right? They have to know more. They have to be an expert. Um, and so that's what we did. It's like we wrote a book um, that is well-written primarily because of Stacy. Stacey and <laughs> <laughs> she's so brilliant. And just, you'll laugh. Like when you laugh, be like Stacey. Stacey, right? And so this is the book that makes you the expert on all things, marriage and family, right? Every question that you have that someone's going to throw at you, you're going to have the answer. So first of all, you have to be the expert next, like, I, so I'm actually not a confrontational person by nature. I waited a long time to get into this battle because I like keeping my friends, right? I don't like to lose friends. But I could not ditch that admonition of, if you cause one of these little ones to stumble, corporal punishment for you. I mean, that's really what he said. That's what Christ said, right? And so I got to the point where I'm like, okay, look, kids are being harmed because these ideas are so dangerous and so damaging. If not me, then Who? And that's the reality for you and your listeners, too. If not you, then who? And it can't just be me, right? So all of us have to become an expert, and we've got to grow a spine. We've got to grow a spine. But the good news is that we've equipped you in the book, not just with the right talking points, but we will show you the children whose hearts are destroyed when we get this wrong. And no longer are you going to say, well, we're against the gays. And or we're against, you know, people who are having struggling marriages. No, we're not against any adult. We are four children. We are four children. And we insist that all adults, single, married, gay, and straight, all of them must do the hard thing to protect the rights and well-being of children. And if we did that, we would decimate near, nearly every social issue that we are facing today. Because every single thing that, especially the Democrats, poor hundreds of millions of dollars into from homelessness, to poverty programs, to high school dropouts, to teen pregnancy, to suicide, everything, all of it, all of those demographics have one thing in common, and that is family loss, family breakdown, and fatherlessness. If you want to fix this country, you get on the Them Before Us train, and you start defending
0: kids. Yeah, so well said. And Katie, one of the things I've been focusing on the, on, on the podcast since I uh, finally belatedly put God at the center of what I do um, on the air and well, on the air. See, I'm an old radio guy, I can't stop. Uh, is speak the word of God and that we, the like whether you're a church goer or a Bible reading church goer or a Bible reading tithing church goer or you like me, finally figured out I'm a Jesus Um Get into the public square and speak the word of God. Like I love that you armed them, you know, us with science and data and statistics and human stories. I've done the same thing on the COVID. I can argue the COVID with any immunologist, epidemiologist, doctor, MD, bring me the MDs. They're the best. I love, I love it when they don't understand and the thing that they're pushing into people's arms um but likewise speaking the word of god right so folks let's remember we've talked on the podcast about getting into it's first really fine for you to say you know what here's the statistics and secondly understand something god designed the family you're not god you don't get to tear it apart Right. We're going to stand for this and these children. Um, And look, we are called to do that. And then they've heard. Right. So now they've heard. And then the warning is right there. So when they sit, you know, before the judgment throne and Jesus said, so about the families, about the babies you sold. Uh, Let's talk real briefly about that because I don't think Lord Jesus will have that much to hear for, uh, you know, in terms of baby sellers. So always a pleasure to have you on. Um, I just I'm thankful for what you're doing, uh, for being brave. And I think I've told you before last time we were uh, together in person that you are so good at being the happy warrior, but there's more warrior in you now. I see it. You're still happy, but there's more warrior, Katie.
1: Yeah, I'm really, I really am happy um, with almost (laughs) all. I know you are. Yeah, but you want kids to sacrifice for you. mm, Get behind the date and we're going
0: to have a conversation. (laughs) The book is called Them Before Us. It's linked in the podcast. Uh, Do get a copy. Um, I always appreciate you coming on and go with God's good grace.
1: Great. I hope your podcast continues to grow because your voice is very needed.
0: Well, thank you. Well, that's up to the listeners, but no pressure. It's actually up to the Lord. Now the show does. Thank you, Katie. You know, one of the things you can do in terms of protecting kids um, and families is to share the word of God about what the family means. And this week, I want to spend a lot of time on this, particularly in the way of... How the party is attacking the family, and how that matches up with what Satan would want. I want to stay in touch with that. Please get in our email. Uh, just go to thetonhermanshow.com, and that way we can always keep in touch with you. Because I just believe that sooner or later we're going to get uh, canceled uh, by the party. There is a series of emails I've gotten, or are I should say, from families who are suffering in this period of time. A lot of it. Um, Due to the COVID, you know, uh, fiasco, uh, the hoax response to an actual virus. But more and more of it um, has to do with this division that the party has created between uh, generations. And this is a real thing. And I get notes now from parents whose kids are 20, you know, uh, 21, 22 years old. And they're now saying, hey, listen. Uh, unless your house is going to have the Black Lives Matter Incorporated sign outside and, and your house is going to celebrate things the way we see it, we're not coming. And I got probably six or seven emails over the Christmas holiday uh, from families just utterly heartbroken about this. And they should be. Now, kids, you know, are going to develop into, they're going to have their points of rebellion, And one of the things that we learned in our travels through adolescent and family mental health is that kids are going to rebel sometime. And that if you don't, if this is a weird dynamic, but if kids don't get to rebel when they're little kids and, and yeah, pay the consequences. uh, But if they don't get to rebel with their little kids with something, they'll choose some, they'll they'll choose the later time because it's a necessary component of becoming uh, their own person. Uh, and I think that it, it, one of the things we notice in treatment and in, in family travels through this is overly good parents are as likely to end up in, in therapy as, as truly neglectful parents. Yeah, and it's much more common those, to have those groups of parents in treatment uh, with their kids, adolescents, than it is to have you know, truly vile, uh, you know, abusive parents. Because first of all, most of them don't care. So their kids, you know, are not going to get that help. So, you know, their kids are, are not in centers like that. Secondly, you know, they don't want, they don't want the authorities to know. But in regards to these letters, let me read one that is sort of, it's, it's symptomatic of the ones that we've gotten uh, over the Christmas break. And this is from Bethany. Dear Todd, I am from a Jewish family converted to Christianity I was the first to convert in my family, and since attending church with my husband, who is now a youth pastor, I'm happy to say that a good number of our families have converted to following Jesus. As you can understand, this has caused a little bit of friction in our family, but not what I expected. We have some good, meaningful, sometimes formidable conversations and debates with some of our elders who are quite developed in the Jewish faith and understand it quite well. In point of fact, I find these interesting and fulfilling Only occasionally have they gotten verbose or angry, and we're pretty good at winding that back down. What disturbs me now is that our daughter, our oldest daughter, is 22 years old and has moved out and has been out on her own for about four years. We're very proud of her. She got into college very early on. However, in this past Christmas break, she announced to us that she would not be coming home, not because of COVID, and we do disagree on the approach to this. She's very, very pro-vaccine, or as you would call them, mRNA injections. This has to do with the signage outside of our house. There isn't any. Our daughter wants us to put in front of our home a Black Lives Matter, we believe in science, and what I see as a, a sign celebrating the party and leftism in front of her house. I told her in no uncertain terms, it's not something we can do, but just as we've discussed the debate about faith with our family, I'd be happy to have this discussion with her and would hope I would find it as fulfilling as I have on the discussion between faiths. Our daughter informed us that debating two mythologies is far different from debating the actual reality of unarmed black men being murdered by police on a daily basis And until we are to follow her down this path, she simply will not be coming to our home any longer. Her boyfriend has made this clear to her that he will not have his kids around our family until our family comes to understand the reality of racism. Incidentally, he is what you would refer to and most of society would as a trust fund baby who doesn't need to work and seems to attend college his career. I'm wondering your thoughts on this. And I know it's painful for a lot of families. I was surprised that we could make it through the debate about faith, but somehow not the debate about a sign around the terrorist group. Love your show. Thank you for what you do. Bethany from South Carolina. Uh, Wow. So Bethany, in response to this, um, I can only hope and pray that your daughter is going to begin to ache for what she had in your home, which is the ability to discuss and debate. And I think that in, in cases like this, the only thing that I've, I've, and I'm not qualified to give parenting advice, particularly about 20-year-olds, I've never had one. But what I've seen work is inserting seeds of doubt. And the inserting of seeds of doubt is, for instance, an article here or there. And I know that sometimes they won't accept this. You know, I talked to a friend of ours who's, whose daughter is full-on mRNA injection. In fact, she got the COVID flu after she'd been double or triple injected And her folks wanted to send her an article saying this is not abnormal. Now, this is is actually what happens. And she said, I don't want to see it. Don't send it to me. I don't want anything that criticizes these injections. Even as she got sick after having two or three of them, she didn't want the information. But I think what you can do with your daughter is, is open the doorway by way of, honey, when I find out that the following is not true, I'll put up a sign in our front yard. And so maybe what you're saying to her is, hey, let's negotiate. Here's why I am not putting a sign up in my front yard. And go to some of the data. Um, Heather McDonald has a great book called The War Against Cops. I think it is, The War Against Cops. And it details some of the misleading and in fact, just lies about cops in America. Um, And one of them is, that's so interesting, Black cops are more likely to draw down on and shoot black suspects than our white cops. And it's not just shoot, it's draw down on. So it's to draw their weapons. Secondly, the number one leading cause of death of young black men is young black men. Third, black suspects are more likely to enact violence against cops to resist arrest than our white suspects are, in fact, Hispanic suspects. Now, you recognize some of the dynamics here. Black people have been taught by the party that all cops want to kill them. And if I was of that mindset, I might resist as well. Honestly, if I thought the cops were going to kill me, I might resist. And black parents have been taught by the party uh, that every single cop wants to kill their kids. Now, if I believed what your daughter believes... I, I can't say that I wouldn't be up in arms, literally up in arms. If I believe that 30,000 or 10,000 unarmed black people just minding their own business, walking down the street, got capped by a cop, uh, you know, 10,000 times a year. Well, I, yeah, I think I'd be up in arms. So maybe the door to open with your daughter, Bethany, is to say, hey, look, I will put a sign up in our front yard when I learn that black cops aren't more likely to shoot black suspects. When I learn that black cops aren't more likely to draw down on black suspects. When I learn that young black men are not the leading cause of death of young black men. When those things aren't true, I'll be willing to discuss putting a sign up in my front yard. And that way, now you're putting it back on her. Here's her opportunity to get that sign, right? And she can have this great victory with her uh, with her husband. Or boyfriend, I think you said you can. He can have. She can have this great victory with her, her boyfriends. Hey, hey, I got it. My mom, my mom's, my mom's coming around. All we need to do is disprove these things. Now, point of caution. Years ago, I had a well. This was oh man, uh, twelve years ago or more. No, I think it was like fourteen years ago. I had a debate with a woman who was family by marriage, and quite honestly, I adored her. I thought she was so cool and I still love her. Um, and we just discussed taxation. And I simply asked, and by the way, this woman has two master's degrees. And I simply asked her, hey, name a thing that the the the, 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 uh, the government shouldn't be able to do. Name one thing the government should not have the power to do that's not abortion. Well, name one thing. She has never answered that. She refuses to answer, what could the government do or that would go too far? I mean, my, my exact question was, what, the one thing the government should not be allowed to do. And she wouldn't answer that. Because she knows. She's got two master's degrees. She knows where that, what, what door that opens. Hey, In terms of what we do here on an every single day basis. Uh, this week, we started our first advertising campaign full on. I mean, it's not true because we do one for our friend, Dave the Digital at Greenhaven Interactive. Dave's a partner in the show and, and does all the digital for us. Zach Abraham, you hear on the air, uh, but Zach is not, I mean, Zach's, 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 well, he doesn't build things for us. He's He's got too much money for that. Ha! <laughs> Uh, but we started the campaign for Bulwark Capital Management, and one of the things I hope you'll do is that you will listen to Know Your Risk Radio. There is a link right now in this podcast that I hope you'll start listening to Zach's podcast. Um, it, he you'll hear him on the show. He's a truth teller about the investment world and and and, and who does what and, and who's grifty and who's not grifty, and uh, it's it's advice. Uh, it's very solid for me. And uh, you know how I feel about Zach in terms of having him on the show as our source of information about finance. So I hope that you will give that a try. In the theme of families, uh, it is, you know, it's, it's every family, I think, has people in it who are broken. And God's travels with us is a record of a loving father trying to bring a family back together, even the broken ones. And, well, frankly, as my view of the Christian faith, especially the broken ones. You know, the the, the, the idea that God, you know, the, the metaphor of the 99 sheep, the good shepherd has 99 sheep, they're good sheep, they're following the shepherd's voice, but one sheep gets lost. And the shepherd will leave the 99 in search of that one lost sheep to bring back. And there's this great image uh, you'll see in paintings of, of Jesus, care as the shepherd carrying a lamb a little baby lamb i didn't know what that was about fully uh, until uh, i heard an explanation in a podcast in a christian podcast that shepherds sometimes to get the rest of the flock to follow them would take um, a little baby lamb and in that way then the parents would follow and then the, and then the you know the sheep herd would follow because they're they're worried about their little one likewise the enemy Likewise, the enemy wants to take the little ones. And we all have broken members of families. I think we all do. And, and by the way, we're all broken to some degree. You know, I'm fond of saying I'm the, I'm the most broken cat you're going to know. I'm in need of redemption every day. And, and the Lord provides that. This is all by way of saying that there is in our midst a bunch of broken people in music, in art. And sometimes they express things in art that convey their brokenness, but can land to us in different ways. In a music review today, I remembered this song when I was talking to Katie. And so I pulled it up during the podcast here. And I remembered this song from a time in my life where this song was meditation material. And it's a story that I've never, ever told and for the sake of um, of two human beings, I won't tell. Uh, but this used to be <laughs> this. This was a song that you know you crank the music up with the sunroof open, and sometimes you wait in the car until the song's over. And it's by <laughs> by a person that. Uh, I pray for, and to be just frank, I find her loathsome. I should say I find what she does loathsome. But the song used to mean something to me then. And it is, to me, something much different now. The song describes a divorce. And, or that's, I'm sure that's what it describes. The way that she describes this is so clinical and 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 cold that it makes it incredibly infecti- effective. Uh, she's a woman with a, an insane amount of talent, an insanely angry person as I see it, and perhaps a broken one in her family. And I am fully aware I'm a broken cat. I'm not here saying, oh, I get to call someone else broken because I ain't. I, look, we know each other now. You know I'm broken. But in terms of music, the intimacy of this song and the way the song propels itself, if you know the song, we won't get through all of it, but as you roll through the song, the way it propels itself from this very slow starting, meditative, cold, calculating Um, It's not calculating, but cold um, clinical approach to this, this, this distance, this, you might say um, uh, in therapy, we would call this in PTSD. uh, um, It's like she's put this stuff in her container um, that she's contained portions of her life. But as the song rolls along, it picks up this momentum and the speed and this anger. And it's, you know, it's impressive in that way. And she's a broken member of, of. The human family. I don't. I think that she's turned her back on God. Now, back in the day, this song meant something else to me, thematically. Uh, today, as I listen to it, it's 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 no longer what it was. Obviously, because I'm happily married, I have been for a long time. But there's something else about the song that just goes with the theme of what we talked about with Katie and kind of what we just talked about with Bethany. The woman's name who I do find her behavior loathsome is Cindy O'Connor. This is the live version from Saturday Night Live. This is the one where she shaves her head and cut up the picture of the Pope. Was that, was that it? I don't know. I mean, I, she has hair in this. <laughs> so maybe she shaved her head in the second song. I don't know. But Cindy O'Connor in the song, uh, The Last Day of Our Engagement. <laughs> Acquaintance. Last day of our acquaintance.
1: Ah, Thank you. This is the last. Oh, oh, oh,
0: to say the seed was planted. And since then, you've taken me for granted. And how I hear that now is me, 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 I, I, I. What about the baby? The seed? It's been a long time coming that people, adults, Including 22 year old kids who want to control how their parents think have been pushed to this edge and devaluing the role of mom and dad. And guess what? Marriage is work. You skip the work. Well, you don't run your small business, it crashes. You don't service your car, it breaks. And you can love your car, love it. You don't service it, it's gone. You can love your wife, love your marriage. And if you don't care for it, it's gone. Even if you stay married. Me, 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 I, I, I. What about the kids? The seed. Now I'm in a different place in life, so the song means something different to me. And I'm kind of embarrassed that it ever meant anything else, honestly. We're going to continue a little bit here in this coming second hour talking about the people of the lie in relation to, well, society and the party to that next and you download the second hour hit and this is the Todd Herman show second hour
1: coming up